Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic show this week in WordPress and SaaS. We've got a great, and I've been looking forward to this discussion, we've got Tom Walkers the founder and CEO of Insurgent Publishing, and the great podcast, In the Trenches. We're going to be discussing all things about online marketing, how to build a community, how to build an audience for your business or agency. It's all going to be good stuff. I'm going to let Tom quickly introduce himself. So, Tom, can you give us like a 10, 20 seconds intro? Yeah, um, I'm a West Point grad, Iraq War veteran. After the military, I went into entrepreneurship, writing, publishing. I started my own publishing company after after writing and self-publishing my own stuff. And little by little, that grew into something bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I've started a couple different kind of companies and side projects here and there. I kind of look at myself like... I think some people describe me as like a launch architect. So I've worked with a lot of companies, um, SaaS companies, coaching companies, membership companies, to help them launch and scale their um, kind of their platforms. And um, I'm the co-founder also um, of InfoStack. And uh, that's kind of like a bundle company. So we launch bundles of information products, kind of like Humble Bundle, which is in the video game space. But this is more geared towards people uh, who want to learn specific um, things, who want to achieve their goals for less. So, yeah, that's kind of the short summary. That's great. Cool. And, I've got, and I've got my great co-host, Andrew Palmer. Andrew, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the tribe? Yeah, I'm the very nervous uh, co-founder of Bertha.ai. We've just done a partnership deal with uh, Yoast.com. Mar- uh, Marika has uh, written a lovely blog post and it's uh, made our site blow up. We've we've just uh, got about 300 free signups and a few paid signups from that little campaign. So I'm a little bit on tenter hooks watching the servers, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this because, uh, Tom, you don't look, in, look old enough to be an Iraq uh, or an Iraq, as the English people would say, an Iraq veteran. So scary yeah, stuff. I'm sure, it, I'm sure it'll go fine, Andrew, having all your servers on go, Daddy. Uh, um, so uh, um, <laughs> before we go into the main part of this, that's an internal joke, actually, folks. Uh, um before we go into this great interview, we've got a couple of messages from our sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Allow us to introduce you to Castos, our major sponsor. If you're looking to get into podcasting, Castos is for you. No penalties on the amount of downloads and the support, should you need it, is the best in the industry. Take a look at Castos for your podcasting solution. That's castos.com, castos.com. The importance of backing up your WordPress website cannot be emphasized enough. We use BlogVault to help us do this on a daily basis. With free staging, migrations, and on the pro plans, malware scanning and autofix, BlogVault is the professional's choice when managing just one website or many. Go to blogvault.com and see for yourself. You seriously won't find a better, more complete solution. That's blogvault.com, blogvault.com. We're coming back. Just want to point out that some of our sponsors have got some great special offers. We've also got a great list of recommended plugins and WordPress-orientated services 
not only for WordPress, but if you're a SaaS bootstrap entrepreneur, you can get all these goodies and recommendations by going over to WPTonic slash recommendations. So, Tom, let's go straight into it. So, Tom, you know, you gave a quick intro, but maybe we can have a, a, a more deeper outline. So, you know, you just said you were an Iraqi war veteran and then you got then you got into on the crazy, the semi-crazy world of online marketing and entrepreneurship. So how did you how did you get into this into this world then, Tom? It's funny, you know, especially looking back on it now. Like, so this is about 10 years ago. So I I I uh Graduated West Point in 2008, went full-time active duty after that, deployed in 2009-10. So yeah, when you were saying how young I was, I was looking back and I was 20, 21. I, I turned 21 and I was a platoon leader in Iraq at that time. So yeah, looking back, I'm like, that is pretty strange. That's not the normal course, I guess, for a lot of guys. But um, after that, around 2013, excuse me, I was a company commander of a headquarters company. And um I was like, you know, I'm really interested in doing something else. You know, it was, you know, military's great and all. Um, it's respectable, et cetera. But I was really wanted to pursue something creative. At that time, blogging was pretty, pretty popular for those those few years. And I actually started to read a lot of blogs, specifically like Seth Godin's. I don't know if you're familiar, but I'm sure maybe a lot of listeners might be. Oh, I have, but, oh, actually have interviewed him. Yes. <laughs> so like, I, he, again, right. like I was just like, Found his blog, read all his books. I was just like, you know, just devoured it all. And that just led me into this, like kind of into this world. At the time, blogging was very popular and then podcasting was starting to come onto the scene. So I was like, just kind of diving into all this stuff and realizing, you know what? There's something here. Um, I got to explore it. So I went and I started a blog. I started a podcast back in 2012, 2013. So pretty early on. And um, I started self-publishing because I was like, well, I don't have any technical expertise. I can't code. I don't have any practical, really real skills. I was at that point not a marketer. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But I was like, I'm just going to use this as a time to experiment and learn and see what I can do with what I have. And so it was just kind of little by little, um, starting with the blog, publishing a couple of books on my own, self-publishing, figuring out then how do I get traffic and readers and sales, right? That's the next thing. After you do something creative, you're like, okay, now where's the money? So it was like, how do I actually get new customers? How do I get new readers? And then trying to solve that. And again, just little by little as that grew, it was then moving into when some people saw what I did, they were like, hey, can you help me? So I was like, yeah, let's figure it out. So I started working with other companies, with other individuals. Um, and little by little worked on you know campaigns. And I was kind of strategic about that. Like A couple of times I'd work for free just because I was like, I know if I do a good job for this guy, he's going to make sure other people know. And sure enough, that's exactly how it went down. All right, that's great. Over to you, Andrew. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody, you've said that so easily, you know, figuring out the customers that I want, figuring out the people I want to target. And you've said it like, even with a smile on your face, you know, the, the most asked question is, how do I get customers? How do I get, you know, so just, you know, give me 20 seconds or a minute on how you figured that out. And, you know, let our, let our tribe um, get some of your insights in how you actually figured out what what's what what your customers were now how, how you got them together yeah the the short answer i think this may be most practical or pragmatic for those listening is 
Um, just model what other people are doing that's working. Don't just model somebody else, but make sure that, that at what they're doing is actually working because there's a lot of people who are doing stuff. There might even be people who are doing stuff that looks like it's working, but it's a different thing to understand what's actually working. And then just, I look at that and I say, well, how do I just replicate what somebody else is doing it, but doing it in my own style, my own way, and then make it work. And so it was like, just kind of like, and then that's where you you tap into all these like, um, these little bits of knowledge and wisdom, like, you know, diving into the great copywriters, the great direct response marketers, the great people who are building like great platforms. So at the time, obviously I was in publishing. So was, I was curious about moving books, but books eventually moved into, hey, can you help do what you did with these book launches? Can you do this for our SaaS platform? So I was working with companies like Teachable, more recently Circle and some other companies like that. Um, it was working with... Um, educational companies like the Growth Institute with Vern Harnish and stuff like that. So it was like like little little by little, like, hey, can you just apply the same stuff that gets eyeballs over here and, and then generates the sales? Can you do that for us? And what I found fundamentally was that um, you have to have a reason for people to come and check out what you're doing. There's a ton of noise online. So you have to find sure. out some way to cut through the noise. So yeah. I'm always looking to say, where's the audience? How do I get in front of that audience? How do I get an endorsement? in front of that audience. So I like to try to get, you just mentioned Yoast. How's, how's those servers holding up, right? So yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. There you go. But it's like- so It's amazing to, what GoData can do. Right? Yeah. And sure. it's just, uh, it, it's, it, that to me is the gold. Is if you, can, if you can land really good referrals, really good partnerships. So fundamentally, I didn't realize it was going down this rabbit hole, but a lot of what I've done has been built on affiliate marketing and influencer marketing, like the fastest path to the customer. And then from there, of course, we can expand out. Like the most recent company, for four years, we've basically been entirely partners and affiliates. And we haven't tapped into traffic, paid traffic. We don't pay... Effect. I pay a, a few boost posts here and there, but I'm not running paid traffic. Um, we're sure. not doing any content marketing. We're not doing anything except partners and then focusing on our product. And that's it. And that's enough. That's enough of a lever. That, that well is so deep. I could pull that lever probably for another few years before I ever tap it and then move on to something else. Although now we're looking at, hey, how do we get into content marketing? How do we get into some of this other stuff to, to, to spread like the word and, and grow our reach more organically outside of relying on partners? But now our database, our list is big. We have cloud. Like all these things have started to compound because of that. But it started with partners. Yeah, sure. sure. It's a tough thing to do, isn't it? John, over to you, mate. Yeah, yeah. sure. So, um, given a, so partnerships seem to be big. So... Based on your experience, though, and observation, what do you see as some of the most often or the mistakes that you observe the most that people are making in marketing, Tom, online marketing? Yeah. You know, my experience, and again, I'm not just saying like what I'm seeing out there, but I would say that the problems I experience then are when people come to me and then hire me or they ask me questions. So. Those, those things that I deal with, a lot of times when people aren't getting any kind of traction, we'll say, quote unquote, um, they have a product. They spend a lot of time investing in the product, um, whatever it is that they're trying to sell, the offer. But again, they have no path to the customers. They have no path to actually getting it in front of somebody. Um, and that, so number one is they don't actually have a path to the customers. The second thing is whatever their offer is, a lot of times where the stumbling block is, maybe they even have access to an audience or they could tap into an audience, but nobody like pulls the trigger and nobody actually like buys. Uh, it's usually positioning um, a lot of times. Like it's, it's really subtle stuff sometimes, but it's mm-hmm. like how you're actually positioning. What's the messaging around it? Who is it for? Why do people care? 
because there's so much out there of anything. You go into any niche, I feel like, and we work in a lot of niches now with a lot of stuff I do. So I'm in a lot, I'm in, I work in like, I, we do some stuff in like the health space. We do some stuff in the business and marketing space, some stuff in the writing and publishing space, um, different, different niches and stuff like that have vastly different audiences. And each one you go into, you're like, wow, it's like saturated with competition. So I'm always looking for an angle that's going to be different enough to hook people in that audience and make them turn, turn their heads towards us. Um, you know, if you try to do the same thing that everybody else is doing, it kind of gets boring. And then it can maybe still work in a small way, but you're not going to get like those massive viral launches. You're not going to engineer anything like record setting, like which is what we've done for some crowdfunding campaigns and some of our launches, which was like kind of engineering that virality by making it um, interesting for people, if that makes sense. It does. Just got a quick follow-through question before I throw it over to Andrew again. As you were giving your answer, you were saying small change. I think you, I can't remember the precise wording, but you were indicating to me that small changes in copy, in positioning can make, can we just focus on that a little bit more? So are you saying that you can, you know, you've got good, there is product, uh, product customer fit. It's, it does, there is a, a desire for it. And, but it just, just changes in, in the positioning of the wording can make a big difference based on your experience. I have, um, so yeah, I'll give you, an, go, give you two examples. One is a, a client that's like a real simple, almost like generic, like you'll hear it and you'll be like, well, obviously, but like, that's a good example. And then I'll give you a personal example. So one was with a client and she was in the publishing space. And um, she would help. She had a publishing company. She wanted to get more people into her publishing company, but it, she also did like editing, design, you know, the whole thing in and around helping like that next level. It's so effectively a hybrid publisher and was making sales. So obviously had an offer that was working, but not converting high enough. You know, it was effectively like kind of working for those almost like slave labor wages that many of us bootstrappers work when we're first getting started and couldn't kind of break out of it. And had tried to do some marketing campaigns, but each one of them kind of landed her in, 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 the, in the red. Um, and I learned this kind of afterwards. She joined um, my coaching program. And basically, the, one of the first things we identified was, you have an offer that works, it converts, people are happy with it. But the messaging is blah. It's like, it just, it couldn't, it, it, I don't know if it could be more generic. And for her, I was like, let's just take a look at the client. So this, this applies to people who have customers already. Let's take a look at the clients. Let's, let's do like a client profile here and let's look at patterns. Can we find it? Where's the, I try to always use pattern recognition for something and see if I can extract something useful. And with hers, it was like 90% of her clients were women, but she wasn't catering anything toward women. So the very obvious thing was, hey, let's just make like whatever the next thing you do, let's just focus it solely on women. And now she runs the Women in Publishing Summit, which has been going strong for like four or five years. It's huge in the publishing space. And she has a massive audience. And I have a whole, like I did a case study with her on my podcast to go through like the, the nuance of it. But it was that, that little thing, that little positioning. I'm not saying just going, hey, just let's focus on women or let's just focus on men as the differentiator. Sometimes demographics matter though. And sometimes if it's a, if it's a, if it's, if it's a pattern that matters, then go with it. Yeah, I think, uh, John, we had, who did we have on here that was just the positioning, was her name Amanda or Anthea or something? We did just Yeah, I, I, can, I can see her, but unfortunately, I've got, yeah, Tom, I've got a memory like a sieve, so. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So over to you, Andrew. 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to jump to a question actually because I want um, to. So, what's what's come onto your personal marketing radar that's uh, got you excited? You know, maybe Bertha and the Yoast thing got you excited. You know, <laughs> who knows? Even though I don't host with GoDaddy, although I love them. <laughs> You're muted, Tom. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I, I think you know it's funny. I'm kind of, I'm kind of boring. So I look at stuff that's coming on new, and I'm very, very skeptical. I'm skeptical of a lot of new things. I'm skeptical of new platforms because I was from from um, 2012, 13 till okay, 2022. So 2012 to 2022, what's happened? Um, we, what have we seen come and go? I mean, so many platforms have come and gone. I don't know if you guys remember what was it? There was some big with Periscope. Um, Blab. We were on Blab for a while. Yeah. I loved um, I loved Blab. Me too. We actually ran um a summit uh on Blab and and broke a Guinness World Record using it. And then it was like the next year the platform was gone because we were yeah. the longest live stream. It was like 54 hours or something like that. We were just oh, going goodness. for it. Um, I thought uh, I thought that was one of the most original platforms I've oh, seen. Yeah. I don't know why somebody else doesn't bring it back in some way, but no. Oh yeah. It just seems like, yeah, there's so, it feels like there's so much potential, but I don't know the behind-the-scenes technical limitations of something like that. I couldn't believe that for a platform like that, it held up, it, it, it did what we needed it to do. So yeah, but all these things kind of came and went. So all of a sudden, you're like, oh, Periscope's going to be the next new thing. This is going to be the next new thing. Okay, then there's TikTok, there's whatever, there's all these things. So platforms don't really... I'm very skeptical of platforms. Um, what I'm not skeptical of, though, are um, like creative joint ventures, and things like that, and then tapping it to new new technologies and stuff like that. So, I'm still very hesitant on like blockchain stuff. I think a lot of it's just like um, marketing speak. But the smart contract concept is very interesting for um, info product creators, I think, and educators and people selling information products or any creator selling anything. The idea of the residual income that could come from people who purchase it and resell it. So the idea of that reseller piece and then being able to capture a piece on the back end, that kind of tech I think is very fascinating and, and I think we'll see a proliferation of it. But again, I'm just kind of now starting to dabble in that area. So I don't have much to report back on it yet. Well, a lot of people don't misunderstand blockchain. You know, they think it's all about money, but it isn't actually, you know, and just and just while I'm there, because the 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 deal that we came to with Yoast actually started last december you know it's mm. from a tweet from a tweet a message from yost himself saying i like bertha let's chat so it's taken all this while and WordCamp europe and meetings and all this kind of stuff to see see what's going on but they um yost and marika are investors and they invested in a in a particular thing wordproof i think it was and that uses the blockchain to actually control uh your your copy in your because it's obviously seo uh, focus so it puts a timestamp via the blockchain on your copy mm. to allow you to prove that that's your copyright yeah. because yep. a lot of you know we all have to do um yeah. take down notices you've stolen my copy i mean you know just in the facebook groups the other day i saw that four people had had their whole website cloned and other people were using their yep. training say selling their training courses as their own you know crazy so you know so things like things like wordproof on the blockchain, very helpful. 
It's all yeah. it's all the boring stuff outside of the main stuff that you hear about with the blockchain that's mm-hmm. the most interesting. It's the smart contract stuff. It's the instantaneous nature of it. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the crypto stuff, the money piece is all, is like the scammer high level piece. Like that. Well, there's just too much. Tom, Not all of it, but it, a lot of it is where that's happening. Yeah, but Tom, it's got very strong echoes to the early days of the web, really. Because yep. I think I think what Andrew said that proof of copyright of ownership is one of the strong areas and also cutting down the cost, the middlemen through transferring money from one place to the other. Um, there's a lot of intermediaries that take their cuts um, about the transfer of money or securities in general, isn't there? Um, so you can see but when it comes to what we've seen over the past few years around crypto currency, I'm definitely not as enthusiastic, um, um, to say the least. Um, but there we go. I think it's time for us to go for our break. We had a little bit of divergence. We got into cryptocurrency. You never know what you're going to get on this podcast, do you, Tribe? But if you're a regular... You are used to it. We're going to go for our break and we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hey, it's Spence from LaunchFlows.com. If you've been looking for a fast and easy way to create powerful sales funnels on WordPress, then look no further than LaunchFlows. In just minutes, you can easily create instant registration, upsells, downsells, order bumps, one-click checkouts, one-time offers, custom thank you pages, and best of all, no coding is required. For as little as $50 per year, you can own and control your entire sales funnel machine with Launch Flows. Get your copy today. Hey, Tribe, are you trying to scale your agency but struggling to find time to work on your business because you're always stuck working in your business? Head over to focuswp.co where you can subscribe to an instant team of white-label geeks and creatives to delegate to. Use code WPTONIC for a special discount just for the Tribe. With FocusWP, you don't have to worry about hiring, firing, or any other HR nightmares. Just submit a ticket and your new team will dive in. Focus on what you love. Outsource the rest. coming back I think I'm doing a pretty good job I can tell by Tom's expression that he thinks I'm doing a reasonable job um, being that he's an experienced market and podcaster himself I always get a bit nervous when I get an industry expert like Tom uh, but uh, before we go into the <laughs> other questions um, I just want to tell about my newsletter we, we you need to sign up for the WP Tonic newsletter. It goes out on every Sunday or Monday. Um, it's mostly about the stories from the Friday show where we go into WordPress and tech news stories. And I write an editorial that goes on a wonder, but it's highly entertaining. To get all this, all you have to do is go over to the WP Tonic newsletter and sign up, and it will be sent directly into your inbox. So, Tom, on, on we go on to this wonder of a of an interview. Uh, um, so I think a lot of people, obviously, the, there are storm clouds brewing in the economy. Valuations have been hammered. 
um, the what I call the COVID the COVID bubble has definitely been burst. Um, I'm a little bit puzzled why people are so surprised that there's been a bit of a retraction and there might be a further retraction because we've had a couple of years of, to say, a bubble would be a slight... So I'm a little bit puzzled, but I don't even know why I'm puzzled. So um, what do you see happening in the next year when it comes to the what I call the new online reality? Would you agree with that statement? What's your own thoughts, Tom? You know, it's funny. I'm kind of contrarian in that sense. Um, I think it's interesting because I think there's these high level things that are being engineered, right? And, and these, these shifts and changes in these economies and stuff like that. Um, and there is obviously then a flow to the online and there's all this talk about metaverse and stuff like that. Again, something I'm, I have no, I'm so skeptical of all that stuff. And, uh, I'm like, okay, let's see it. That's fine. I know there'll be first movers who can take advantage of those things. Like go for it. But to me, I'm like, um, I, again, I was back in 2012, I was like, online's the way to go. Um, it's just so obvious to me. There are so many opportunities and people just seem to be missing these opportunities. Like I couldn't believe more people weren't doing it um, or, or being more aggressive about it. And then in the last couple of years, you see this big shift online where people are moving online. I am now of the mindset where I think, okay, there's still a lot, there's still tons, there's still, there's still a lot of growth, still a lot of opportunity. In going online, but I actually think going offline strategically, um, there's some opportunities there that people are missing because of that push online. So I'm kind of like in this in, in between, if that makes sense, kind of like a barbell strategy, Nassim Taleb, anti-fragile. Like that's kind of how I think about things. So I'm like, I think I think the the, the potential downside is people move everything online, um, and what will happen is while we just while we'll just experience the last two years mm-hmm. what a government or what governments can do to physical-based businesses. We have yet to see what they can do to online-based businesses. Um, they haven't gotten their hands wet there yet. And um, all of a sudden, if you move fully online and that's all you've got, that might be... Again, I'm, I'm an anti-fragile kind of guy. I like to have a few things spinning at a time or have a backup plan. So for me, I'm just very hesitant to put to move too fully into that. Like if somebody had a brick-and-mortar business, yeah, have something online, but you know that doesn't mean to to necessarily get rid of the brick and mortar business completely. I think there's, there's very strange things afoot over these next couple of years and what will, what will transpire. Well, I totally agree with you, but unfortunately the brick and mortar businesses that I've got interest in are restaurants and we're suffering from a dearth of, of staff. It's not anything else. You know, we still yeah. got the, the traffic, you know, we did 50 people the other day at a private party and Sunday was phenomenal with uh, 50 people. I went off to Goodwood festival of speed, you know, let, let, let them get on with it. But, you know, one of them is a pizza place. So it's totally, you know, we, we managed in during the pandemic to completely transfer to online ordering, you know, through the, the yeah. various channels, including our own website. And, and I think what you're saying is right. You know, if you see an online, if you see an offline opportunity, property investment, for instance, or that buying some land, uh, and then selling that, doing a JV with a, with a, a developer, I think you could be, you could be in both worlds uh, as well. So, you know, if you've got some money to invest in a bit of land, you could buy land in America for hardly anything. In the UK, it's still you can still get some good deals. But the the point of the pandemic was that everybody went online straight away. You know, we right. were inundated as a, as a web agency. We were inundated with um, 
people saying I want to do this. Jonathan was inundated with people wanted a learning management system. I, there was a guy that uses LMS that was a child entertainer building balloons, you know, showing building building animals out of balloons. So he went off and did a, a learning management system of building balloons online, made quarter of a million dollars in a weekend by selling a course of how to build these things. So there are, as you say, there are opportunities out there. I'm going to copy the course tomorrow and, you know, transfer my business model. Yeah. Right. There we go. Um, I always knew the buddy was in balloons. There we go. Um, but it's interesting, though, because what you're, what I, just to recap what you were saying, Tom, is that um, don't, if, you know, I'm totally online. My whole business is based on online. I've got actually two businesses, but I am totally online. But you're saying, if you are from the traditional one, what I think you're saying is don't, if you can, it might, you are advising, don't totally pin all your hopes online. Try and have a more balanced look over everything. Would that be a fair synopsis? Yeah, and I, I don't have a brick and mortar, so I want to be clear about that. Like, I'm not necessarily advising on that piece. I just see like broad these broad sweeps. And when all of a sudden it's like all of a sudden these businesses get shut down and real estate kind of plummets in the commercial space, I'm like, somebody at a high level is taking advantage of this opportunity right now. And there's a reason. And you got to be able to look like three to five years out or maybe more. So it's just one of those things where I just look at that and say there's like all these strange red flags happening. I, I think certain things are kind of obvious, which is like the nature of having, um, like I don't think you need a commercial space to have your online business. I think you can do it remotely. I'm fully remote. I've been, re that was the other thing. I've like been remote since 2000, since I started this. I was like, the opportunity for remote was so obvious to me right from the get-go. So now more things are moving remotely. That's becoming pretty obvious. There's less, now there's still cases for that to have a commercial space for um, a virtual business in some sense. But for a lot of bootstrappers, freelancers, things like that, or small teams, just take advantage of that. Um, and then the other thing is for me, it's more like, I guess the barbell strategy is, well, I don't have a brick and mortar business, but maybe I can, I can get into real estate. I can get into other physical based things and have that as like uh, kind of the barbell strategy, the anti-fragile strategy to say, okay, I got my business. It's virtual. It's online. But then I have these brick and these, these other physical things. I don't want to lose sight of that. I think this whole, this whole trend towards the metaverse almost seems like a giant yeah. setup. It's like a ruse. Like I would just be, I'd be cautious of that. Like I'm going to invest all this money into these digital assets. It's like digital assets. Oh, Tom, what, what, what could go wrong with a mark right? running everything? What could go wrong yeah, in, the, exactly. in the metaverse? Um, let's go. Um, I just so, want to interrupt there co 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 quietly on the met metaverse. I read this morning there are 300 startups with millions of dollars in the bank from VCs that are just concentrating on the metaverse and they're literally going like that finger in the air give us 20 million dollars or 30 million dollars or 100 million dollars and we'll explore the metaverse we've no idea what we're going to do yep. but we're technically adept you know let's let's have it but we need some finance to be able to do that and we need about 50 really qualified people to so give us 30 million dollars you know, it's just so. like the tech this the early part of the tech boom right it was yeah. like all of a sudden it's just like all yeah. of a sudden there's a ton because there is a ton yeah. of money out there an insane amount of money that wants to be put into places right now and so yeah. 
yeah, listen, if you're one of those people who are like, I'm going to take advantage of this money that people are dishing out to fund this enterprise, go for it. I'm just more thinking, I guess, more on the consumer side or the small level side. Like, I'd be real, I'd be real cautious about moving into those spaces, sticking more with maybe like hard assets yeah. or, or digital assets, but like um, using the kind of the, the more the traditional place right now, the traditional quote unquote, they've been traditional for maybe like 10 or 20 years, not very traditional, but like the stuff that definitely generates revenue that is consistent, that you can kind of, you have more control over. This kind of metaverse stuff, we don't know where it's going to go. NFTs, you see this like whole boom and then bust almost with NFTs. And it's like, that's what I'm skeptical of are these things. And there's still, there's still a ton of money to make be made in there. It's like, that's the whole strange part of all of this. I say all this like, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, maybe what I'm saying is a giant at like uh, buyer beware. You know, no, well, I, I, I understand. I think I understand exactly yeah. what your position because the metaverse is a bit like crypt, the blockchain. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely think it's a future technology that will find its place. Um, but at the present moment, I think what Andrew was trying to point out, it's high risk, high return scenario you know yeah you know you got to know what you're getting involved in it's a bit like um jason camatatus i've butchered his surname from this week in startups the individual that I, I he's an amazing person i'm not i've never had an individual that i have such extreme mixed feelings about uh um, i find him very insightful or i find him a self-righteous prick uh um uh, um, but um, he was pointing that out in one of his recent po- podcasts that, you know, a lot of these big idea things, they're high risk, high, they're investments that you've got to be prepared to sit on for 10 years plus, you know. Or, or, the- or, or it's like the kind of nature of it where it's like, it's, you got to get in fast get the money quickly and then get out kind of thing before it goes boom. But again, I, I feel like that's that's not my personality. That's not my style. I mean, there are entrepreneurs who are great at that, who can go in and exploit something or, or do something and, and, and make the bunch of money before the whole thing crashes. Um, you got to be a first mover kind of thing in that. But again, still the same. The nature is the same. High risk, high reward, or high risk, high, very high risk, high reward though too. So I agree. Like there's, there's almost like, again, there's like these diverging paths. One is like, do I quickly go in try to make a make a a buck before the whole thing shifts? I just feel like the stuff is shifting so quickly in the last few years. It's like to build something on even a technology right now is very strange because I'm like the stuff, even the technology, the underlying technology of things is shifting. Very oh, tell quickly. us about that. You know that's WordPress. Um, we, we, got, we got WordPress doing that, but there's, you know, just on the on the metaverse thing, you know, wasn't some guy bought. Um, a house in the metaverse next door to Snoop Dogg's for 200 grand and then sold it the next day for 650 grand because the guy wanted to live in the metaverse next to Snoop Dogg. You know, it's just like, what's that about? <laughs> it's just crazy. People have. The, the issue, I think, is that they are, we've got a real, you know, we don't want to get too political here, but we've got a real 1% going on in the world. And we? we've yeah. got people with far too much money and they just have no clue what to do with it. So, do you know what I'll do? I'll buy a six-bedroom mansion in the metaverse for six hundred and fifty grand because I can. You know, it's like weird. Yeah, true. So, just to finish up the podcast, you know, it's a unpleasant truth, you know, um, Tom. But we learn the the most from our biggest mistakes. Well, I feel 
So I don't know if you're prepared. You know, is there any kind of real biggest big business mistake that you like to share with the tribe that you made that with reflection you learned a lot and maybe you can share with the tribe what you learned from that big mistake? You know, um, I don't know if I have a big mistake. I think I just have a lot of small mistakes. And a lot of small mistakes kind of got me to where I am. So I don't really have regrets about them. Um, I have, you know, mistakes of like, you know, doing collaborations or partnerships with people before I, I really, really could trust them. Uh, you know, clients or getting burned by partners or clients in the past. But it's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, this just I was new to this stuff. I was new to these things. Um, you know, spending a lot of time and energy on certain projects that I was like for sure on. But again, kind of coming back to that original point, like what's the path to the to the customer? And then can I validate it quickly? Um, these little mistakes, I, they, I look at them like little mistakes because at the time they might have hurt me when I was just bootstrapping. But I was able, but they were they were small enough on a scale that they didn't burn me completely. Like I wasn't out for the count. It was more like I got knocked down, but I was able to get back up and go go to the next one. So I don't have like a huge huge failure mistake yet. Knock on wood. Like hopefully, no, I'm so dis- no, your answer. <laughs> actually, I really liked your answer, Tom. Actually. Um, well, we all, I think we've all, but you know, I've certainly been burnt by business partners. You yeah. know, I've been burnt by family. You know, yeah. it, it, and when, you know, when money gets involved, you have to be yeah. very, very careful and where you, where you draw the line about who's in control of the cash. You know, now I don't do anything where I'm not 51% shareholder. It's as simple as that. So, yep. you know, in, 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 it's just, I've been burnt so many times. It's just crazy. And it's, it's, you wonder, you wonder why you say, well, is it me? And you kind of go, no, they just see a lot of money and, you know, carrying on and they go, right, we'll have, I'll have that. I'll build a swimming pool with it and I won't tell him, you know, and it's, yeah. it's really yeah, especially weird. Fam- a little tip, tribe with family. If you lend money to family. Don't expect don't, it back. But don't expect it back. If you do get it back, that's really fantastic. But don't, don't delude yourself that anytime soon that you are going to get it back. <laughs> just do it out of your own conviction and don't expect it coming back that's all i've got to say to you um lovely tribe so we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show um tom's really um been kind and agreed to do a little bit of bonus we're going to delve into the digitality world a little bit deeper um to join us on the bonus content and to watch the whole interview all you have to do is go over to the wp tonic youtube channel and watch it all and please subscribe to the channel it really does help the podcast the channel and the tribe in general so tom what's the best way for people to find out more about you and your views and ideas i suppose it's the podcast is it yeah or just uh, i'd say go to tommorkes.com t-o-m-m-o-r-k-e-s.com i still have a newsletter tons of free and pay what you want resources um and then there's the podcast in the trenches with Tom Morcus, which is yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. Tribe, go over there. With all it will, all the links will be in the supporting show notes. So go over there and find them. So you don't have to do a hunt, tribe. So Andrew, what's the best way to find out more about you? Give me a call. No, uh, at Arnie Palmer dot uh, at Arnie Palmer on Twitter. Uh, this is andrewparma.com and bertha.ai. So that's uh, that's where I'm at at the moment. And um, support us during our Yoast um, marketing partnership and uh, try out bertha.ai. It's great. Yep. 
that's for sure. We'll see you next week with another great guest like Tom. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.